Good morning. Is this? Oh, oh. <laughs> We're having too much fun this morning and forgot to do a sound check. So, uh, <laughs> ta-da! Um, welcome. Uh, so glad to, to be here. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Tim. Uh, I'm one of the elders here. Uh, I get up here every now and then and uh, and talk. Uh, so I'm excited to be able to do this. We're, we're going to be talking um, about eating today. Um, and I know this is uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving um, in our ever-present quest to, to have hard-hitting, relevant preaching here at Point. We, we no, I'm kidding. Uh, we actually didn't mean this. Uh, we didn't try to line up uh, a sermon on eating for, for the Sunday after Thanksgiving. I personally, Thanksgiving's a, a big deal I, for all the cooks in the room. You, you get it, you get it. Uh, I, I think uh, I wrote a list out uh, when I was doing my prep list, and I did 18 dishes, 18, 18 dishes uh, <laughs> this year. Um, or more accurately, my wife Claire did two, and I did 16. Um, so yeah, okay, we, I don't want to take too much credit. Um, and I think we ended up, <laughs> was it six? Something like that, six people, but you know. I, I just, it comes from a true place. I, I love cooking um, and I love eating. Uh, and it is a privilege to be able to come and talk about eating today. Um, and so just as a way, by way of refresh, we, um, we're working through this, this series on uh, mission and what it means to be a church on mission. And, and we started with um, an often overlooked step of just begin with prayer. And it, it sounds simple. It sounds uh, almost kind of, uh, well, of course. But also something that, that we skip. Uh, there's a lot of people in the world. It's just in our relational networks, there's a, a lot of people in just simple time. We, we can't focus on, on each and every one of them. We, we need to be behind the movement of God, behind the spirit. We need to take the time to slow down and to ask and to listen and to obey. Um, and, and God will and is faithful to, to reveal that with us. Um, and so from there, we, we proceed to, to listen. And we heard from Nick last week talking about just what it is to, to listen. And, and as the gospel becomes more real and gets deeper roots in, in our own hearts, and we can see just uh, the desires of our heart and the way that sin corrupts and then the way that the gospel is alive to us and is, is working in our hearts, it gives us the ability to, to, to sympathize and, and listen uh, to other people's stories, um, not to, to preach at them, but to, to listen and to draw them out and to hear what's going on under the surface and start to, to think and, and uh, in our heads of, of how is the gospel good news to this person where they are. And that's going to be different for every person, right? The gospel's big. There's a lot of facets to do. Um, and, and this week, like I said, we were talking about eating, um, and that very well pairs with, with that listening part. Um, we, wh- why, why is eating important, right? Like, like we all need to eat. Um, it, it's something that, that God, in, in his creativity, when he made us, he made us to, to need to, to eat, and he made us to be communal. Um, and, and if you just think about what happens around a, a dinner table, there's just something human about coming together. And there's, a, there's, an, there's an intimacy, there's an openness, there's uh, the giving and, and receiving of, of hospitality. It, it cuts through uh, a, a lot of a gunk <laughs> that can build up. We can think things about people, we can build cases against people, we can draw kind of stereotypes or false conclusions against people, but when they're sitting across from you at a table, a lot of times that stuff melts away. You, you see a human being, you, you see someone made in the image of God, and it's no accident, right, uh, a lot of dates, <laughs> right, when you're in that courting or whatever, trying to feel each other, a lot of meals around dates, right? Uh, you go out to eat, right? And you get to hear each other's stories and, and what they're about. A lot of business deals, right? In the business world are, are closed and, and negotiated around meals because it, it sets people in, in a different mind space and, and heart space uh, to, to engage and to listen. Um, we can look at, at just uh, the, the, the life and ministry of Jesus himself. Um, I, I read somewhere recently that you can... Um, sort of summarize the book of Luke as either Jesus going to a meal, at a meal, or coming away from a meal. Like the entire book of Luke, you can be in, in one of those three categories. Um, Jesus spent a ton of time <laughs> eating and connecting with people over meals. And uh, it's, we see it all over scripture. Um, we, we see um, one of the elder qualifications is to, to show hospitality, right? Like to, to, to be able to, to engage in that and, and display that and, and show that um, 
it's an odd one, right? I, if it wasn't that important, like well, why focus on that? Um, we see that, and we just went through Revelation, but the, the end of our story, <laughs> what is it? It's not sitting in a cloud somewhere strumming a harp. It's the feast of God's people around the table of God, celebrating Jesus. It ends with, with a feast. And so we're going to um, maybe look a, a little bit closer at that. And I know for me, um, and maybe some of you are familiar with this book. When I was in high school, uh, I came across this book called uh, The Jesus I Never Knew by a man named Philip Yancey. And he makes an observation in this book um, that, that Jesus, and, and Calvin just read uh, out, out of Matthew 9. If you flip ahead a little bit to, to Matthew 11, Jesus is talking, um, and, and he says that he has a reputation of being a glutton and a drunkard. Okay, that's a really interesting self-description. Uh, like Jesus isn't saying he's a drunkard and, and a glutton. He's saying that, that people kind of perceive him as such, or, you know, and this is the way, you know, rumors work or the way, you know, kind of people, you know, develop reputations. Jesus was not a, a, a glutton or, or a drunkard. He, he, we know he was not sinful. We know he did not go in, in that direction. But that description, that, that reputation came from somewhere, okay? Jesus, put simply, was a lot of fun, <laughs> okay? Jesus went around, and he, and he dug in, and he, he ate, and he was jovial. He, he, he you know, w was drinking and eating and, and telling jokes and, and, and having, mixing it up with, with people, okay? And at, at high school, at the time, it's like this, this picture of Jesus as this kind of, you know, you see him in movies or, you know, these kind of depictions of him always calm and, and always kind of under control and like, bless you, child, and, and go on your way. And it, it, this book really opened my eyes to, to just the flesh and blood and the humanity of Jesus, and particularly around uh, his engagement with, with those around him, particularly with, with eating and drinking. Um, and so we have an image, I think, of what hospitality means. And we tend to, to think, right, even as I say that, I, I would bet that, that in each one of your minds, you, you, you flash to, to someone you know who's kind of good at hospitality. Maybe they are a really awesome cook, or maybe they just have one of those, like, tablescapes that is, like, immaculately <laughs> set and, and, and manicure, or, you know, uh, put together, and the, the tables and the music and everything is just like, wow, right? Um, or maybe you just, you know, can, can think of someone who, who just kind of has that, that open door mentality, and those are all echoes uh, of, of what I'm talking about, but what I want to do here today is, is dig in a, a, a little deeper, because Christians and non-Christians can, can be good at hospitality, can be the kind of the qualities that uh, I just talked about, right, um, because there is something human about it, but there is a, a gospel-formed hospitality um, that, that is rooted in uh, a belief of the gospel and is faithfully carried out from that place. The gospel changes us, and as a result of that change, we act in a certain way. And so I, I just want to explore that, and um, there's a heart motive behind that, I, I guess. The outward thing can be very hard to, to distinguish between sort of someone doing it, um, you know, for sort of common grace reasons, and, and someone doing it directly from the gospel. Um, in the New Testament, it's interesting. Uh, the word hospitality, um, it's, it's and I'm not a Greek scholar, so bear with me, but philoxenia, right? So we, we know philo, right, Philadelphia, right? The kind of love of, and xenia is that, that root word for, for stranger. It's this love of the stranger, okay? Um, and we see that uh, going to, to the passage that, that Calvin read um, up in Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 to 13. Um, and this might be a, a, a familiar story to, to many here, but there's a significance uh, of what's going on here uh, around what it meant to be a, a tax collector in this place and, and in this time. Uh, they, they were, ta tax collectors were uh, the Roman Empire, which was occupying, um, you know, the, 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 Ju the Jewish people at the time. They got certain Jews, right, to, to basically work for them, and they would collect taxes and oppress. It was very kind of corrupt. It was very um, heavy-handed. Uh, they were very punitive, uh, and, and they would extract these, these heavy taxes from, from the people using these Jewish the kind of, th they were seen as, as traitors to their people. Um, they, they were seen as, as selling out 
leaving behind their people who were being oppressed to go join the, the powerful, rich Romans for personal enrichment. There was very little love lost for, for these people. And it was understood that no reputable man of God would, would associate with these people. They, they have low morals, they have bad convictions, they, they are bad actors, and there's the, the sort of beyond hope, <laughs> right? Like, like, we have cut them out of society, we have cut them, like, we have disowned them. They, they are not worthy of your time, they are the enemy. And so when Jesus kind of comes and, and is, is eating with Matthew, and then it says that those other um, tax collectors and sinners came, right, Jesus was a magnet. <laughs> for for the, the, the sinners, right? And, and so we see this scene, right? And, and the Pharisees, who were, who were the religious leaders of the day, were, were confused and, and angry and, and very judgmental <laughs> of Jesus' decision in doing this. Um, and so I, I want to pay close attention to, to what Jesus says and then what the, the response is. Um, and I want you to see it as we, we see a an echo of the gospel, and then we see an invitation to respond. And so what do I mean by this echo of the gospel? Jesus tells them, essentially, hey, I'm doing this because it's the sick who need the doctor, okay? The healthy don't have any need for a doctor. If I'm feeling fine, right, if I show up at the doctor's office, they're going to think I have some kind of psychotic, right? I don't need a doctor. I'm I'm healthy, right? The sick will always go to the doctor because they want relief. They, They want to be healed. And so those who, who are sinners and know they're sinners and are reminded constantly <laughs> by the world around them that they're sinners, they found Jesus compelling, and Jesus met them. It was the, the, those who, who were not, and in this scenario, it's the Pharisees. They didn't see their need. They didn't see that. And so that's, that's one of the, the core heart pieces of the gospel. We are all sick, okay? We say it a lot up here, and we will always say it a lot up here. There's two kinds of people. There's Jesus and there's people who need Jesus. That never changes, okay? Even after you've met Jesus and been saved by Jesus and are in the family of God, you still are sick. You still have the, the sin sickness. Like, until the end of the story, when Jesus returns and sin, death, and evil's defeated once and for all, we are still in that need Jesus category. Okay, and so that is a, this, this gospel kind of phrasing or, or, or statement. Um, and then from that, w- w- what does he say? He, t- he tells these people, who, who don't see their own need, who, who don't see themselves as sick. And he quotes Hosea, it's chapter 6, verse 6, um, about desiring mercy, not sacrifice. Okay? And, and what does he mean by that? He, he's telling these people, like, by sacrifice, it's, it's, it's the, the, the ritual, the, the religious kind of steps of, of showing yourself worthy of God, or of showing just how much you love God by, you know, at the time, right, you know, tithing their spice rack or, or you know, the purification rituals and, and all those things. And it was very closed, very um, cold-hearted because it was about them and making themselves presentable to God. They didn't have a need for other people. They didn't have a heart for other people because they were so focused on themselves and making themselves presentable. And Jesus is like, that's not what I want. And that's not what the gospel asks, okay? And Jesus is saying he wants mercy. And so from that place of knowing that we are sick, that we need a physician, it flows into we need to be people of, of mercy. We need to be people who, who follow Jesus, right? We need to be people who want that for, for other people, who, who uh, are, are willing to, to not, it's not this, this religious sort of self-improvement project. It's showing love and, and helping and, and being shoulder to shoulder with other people who need the great physician. Um, and so, armed with this truth, I, I want to spend a little bit of time looking at some of the ways the gospel motivates us and challenges us to, to, to live out this, this heart of Jesus, to, to show mercy and not sacrifice, to, to be people-focused um, and, and not kind of ritual-focused, um, specifically around hospitality. Um, your heart orientation f- f- uh, towards others. In, in the gospel, right, it's not just your ticket into heaven. The gospel is constantly at work changing us and, and reshaping us and, and uh, helping us to live in alignment with, with what Jesus leads and, and how we're supposed to follow. Um, and so the first one I, I want to look at 
it's kind of getting back to this identity piece. How would we expect our dinner table to look if we genuinely believe we're in the same need of a doctor as everyone else, right? This whole idea that there's Jesus and there's those who need Jesus, right? We tend to, right, and, and I, I lump myself in here, right? What, what, what do we tend to do when it comes to entertaining and hospitality? It tends to be your friends, right? Or it tends to be not yet friends, right? People who maybe think like you or look like you or have interests like you. And it's not that that's bad, okay? Like, like those are gifts when, when you have friendships and, and, and cultivate it. Uh, let me just pause here. <laughs> there is a community building aspect to hospitality, building God's people, building the church. And, and we talk a lot about that up point. We have talked. I've been up here talking about that. Our life groups are oriented around that. Um, there is absolutely that part of it. This sermon's kind of focusing more on the, the, the mission side of, of hospitality. So I just felt the need to, to put that because I, I don't want people being like, well, what about, am I wrong if I invite my <laughs> you know, life group over or my you know, discipleship? But that's awesome. That, that's absolutely part of it. But there has to be, if, if that's the, the entirety of, of your hospitality, we're probably not seeing the world as there's Jesus and those who need Jesus. Like we, we need to be open. We need to be pulling in people. We need to be seeking people. There needs to be an, an activity, right? And, and Jada said it uh, up there um, a few minutes ago, but like God came and sought us. Okay, we didn't go to God, right? This is, this is the, the one of the core gospel pieces, right? We didn't make ourselves acceptable, and then God said, you're in, you've done enough work, you're in. We were helpless, God came and found us. God, it, it takes the spiritual work of, of turning a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. There's an activity, okay? So as, as God's people, we're not called to sit back and be like, all right, God, just drop them off in my front door, and when that happens, uh, I'm good. There's, there's an active, there's a seeking, there's a pressing into to all the, the corners of the world, right? And, you know, we all have neighbors. We all have, you know, family or coworkers or friends or, you know, circles of, of relationships that we're part of. And we need to press into those, especially those who, who are different, okay? Um, I keep talking about how hospitality is sort of a, a universal thing, but there's a unique gospel-motivated hospitality. One of the ways that we're unique is when we pursue and seek those who aren't like us, okay? Because it's only this truth uh, that, that I keep harping on, that is what motivates us to push out of that comfort zone, to, to see people, you know, for, for, for how God sees them. And we need to pray, we need to work hard, because it's, it's not easy, right? And, and we live in a time, I mean, you think, <laughs> like, like, just think about, like, the online world, right? For, for those, you know, I, I try to <laughs> not get too deep, but, like, there's a lot of cruelty, right? Uh, the, the comment section, or, or you know, arguments on, on Facebook, um, th those kinds of things, it, it tends to happen because you dehumanize the person that you're, 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 you're interacting with, right? Um, and that falls away around the dinner table. That falls away when you see them as an image bearer, not as an opponent or an adversary, okay? Um, we need to push into that. Um, we need to show respect. We need to show a helping hand. We need to show a willingness to, to inconvenience ourselves to go um, because we worship a God who inconvenienced himself to come and, and save us completely. The second thing I, I wanted to, to just examine um, as far as how the gospel reshapes our, our thinking around hospitality is time. Okay, so, so what's, what's the gospel truth here? The gospel truth is our time is not our own. Okay, we, we, um, we're not our own, right? We were bought with a price, okay? Jesus came and sacrificed himself. So it's no longer us who live, but, but Christ in us, right? You probably hear echoes of uh, verses in that. Um, and so we are not sovereign, right? The gospel tells us we're not in charge anymore, okay? Now, now we have personal autonomy, and right? Like we, we live out our own lives and we make decisions, but it's to glorify God. Our, our chief motive needs to be to to do everything to the glory of God. And so time falls under that. And if we're honest, we, we tend to have a on the clock and off the clock mentality where um, I'm going to set aside some time and I'm going to do things that, that you know, I am supposed to do that, that, that are going to be pleasing to God. And then I have kind of off time. Now, 
That does not mean that there's not a place for rest. That doesn't mean that like, you know, God created Sabbath, God created rest, God created fun, <laughs> right? But it's all under the umbrella of, of worship in, in, in oriented to God. And so what can happen with hospitality is sometimes we just get too busy. Sometimes life gets going, and, and I'm talking to myself right now. It's like, you get going, right? Kids in school, and then we, you know, this, you know, event on this, and then group on this week, and, then, and it's like, next thing you know, it, it's just like, I'm, uh, the week's gone away, right? It, it takes a certain amount of intentionality to, to build in margins. We can be so busy sometimes that we crowd out the ability to love strangers, that we crowd out the ability to do that. And it, it's not just a, I'm disorganized or, or, you know, I didn't think of it. Like, it, it comes from a place of, of not having that, that, that gospel conviction, that, that shaped thinking of all of my time is subject to God. What's the heart of Jesus in this. And the heart of Jesus is for the stranger. It's for open homes. It's for open tables. And so we, we need to find that uh, and confront that and repent when necessary, where we see our time as our own and not as we have our time to glorify God. And that's where that listening piece comes in, right, that we started with. A third one I wanted to focus on, the gospel gets to, to how you see your home. Um, What's the gospel truth? Okay, we deserve death and separation from God, but instead, through the, the life, death, and, and resurrection of Jesus, we're, we're brought out of that, we're forgiven, we're made part of God's household, we're made part of God's family. Um, so all that we have is from God. <laughs> okay, we, we didn't will, we didn't build anything on our own. All that we have is from God and is meant to be used for God. Okay, that includes our house, uh, or home, not, you know, wherever you are, um, and that's a whole variety, variety, but whatever we have, it's like we're, we're stewards of what God's given us to build his kingdom uh, and his family. And so, um, do you see your home as your sanctuary? All right. Um, I'm guilty of this sometimes. I, well, you can kind of, there's so far you'll, you'll go, but then there's just like a, a place of retreat. <laughs> that's just like, can't, can't preach that. Um, is it just, the, you know, like the, like the Superman fortress of solitude, right? It's it just like, I'll give so much, but, but not, not, not everything, right? I, I don't want to deal with the messiness or the inconvenience um, uh, of people coming in, into my home or, or just uh, some of the messiness. So some, some people, um, you know, uh, I remember having conversations with, with my kids years ago of like, all right, guys, like, I know you love your Legos, <laughs> and I know you build awesome things with your Legos, and, and we're going to try, okay? And, and you know, the, the real premium ones, we'll, we'll put on a high shelf, but, like, there's going to be people here, there's going to be kids here, and it might happen. Like, your Legos might get stomped on, <laughs> um, and that's sad, and, and we don't want that to happen, but we're not going to not have people in our house, okay? Like, God cares about people more than he cares about the, the bits of plastic, Okay, um, and, and that doesn't mean like in, in a hard, hard way. And we can have sympathy, right? And, and we can understand that it's a sacrifice. But it's also was an attempt at discipling them into you're gonna get hurt. <laughs> okay, a lot of times hospitality means getting hurt. A lot of times you you build emotional bonds with people, and, and that leads to hurt. It's vulnerability. A lot of times, you know, you, you open your home. Uh, there's gonna be broken dishes. <laughs> okay, there, there's gonna be. Uh, sometimes rude guests, sometimes, you know, disrespect or, or things that, um, you know, sometimes we, we can even worry about like bad influences, right, and things like that. And those are real things, but the heart underneath all of it has to be an orientation towards love and a willingness to be hurt, a willing, right, and, and I don't, you know, th there's, there's degrees of wisdom in there, and I can't get into all of them up here, but we worship a God who, who broke into the world, paid the ultimate price, and we benefit from it. If we're going to follow Jesus, it's a call to, to, to come and die, to, to die to yourself, to, to die to your preferences, to die to conveniences, and to be willing to absorb loss and, and be hurt, right? That's not a message we hear a lot, but it's true, okay? And, and it comes from the gospel, um, and it's expressed in hospitality. The fourth uh, little subcategory, and these are not exhaustive, and I definitely invite you to 
get in your groups and, and think of, of more applications and, and more layers. Um, the gospel changes in hospitality how we engage with others. Um, the gospel sets us free from having to, to prove ourselves to anyone else, okay? Um, the gospel says that, that we are known completely in all of our brokenness, and we are accepted and loved in a way that we can't even fully comprehend and, and trust and imagine. So there is no kind of stock ticker where it's like, you know, I'm going up, and then God loves me more, and then, oh, that's a bad day, you know, like, th that's off the table. That is not where we exist in the gospel. We are, we will never be more loved than you are right now. Okay, you will never be more loved or less loved than you are right now. It is the full thing. And so that part of us that, that, that yearns for the approval of other people, the, the part of us that, that wants or craves kind of respect or acceptance or admiration from other people, the gospel says no. Like we are freed from all those things. And there's so much relational strife that happens when we want things that we have from God, acceptance and love and, and, you know, all those things in the gospel from God when we want those from other people, okay? Because they at best can give it inconsistently, <laughs> right? But it's, even if you have it for a fleeting moment, it, it, it comes and goes because people aren't God, <laughs> right? And, and even people who, who love you, um, th they're not going to be able to love you perfectly and, and accept you perfectly and respect you perfectly, the things you want out of them perfectly. So when you are, have deep roots in the gospel uh, of these ultimate things, it frees you in how you relate to the people in your home. And we were actually talking about this earlier today. There's some really cool stories happening in the congregation, but like it changes how you deal with hostility, okay? Um, if someone's mad at me or misunderstanding me, right, that's a big one. We hate being misunderstood. I'm free, <laughs> okay? I, I don't need you. I can return hostility with love because I don't need you to accept me. I've already been accepted. So I, I, I can push that aside, right? When, when people are around our table, um, you know, if, if it goes in that direction, I, I can love you as Jesus loves you. I can see you as Jesus sees you. I can see someone who's in need of a doctor. I happen to know the great doctor, <laughs> and I want you to be healed of the same thing I'm healed from. Right? I don't have to get down on that same level of returning fire for fire, okay? Because, and only because, of the gospel. Not because I'm a nice guy, not because I'm kind of laid back and chill, no, only because of the gospel. Um, it changes how we engage in arguments, <laughs> okay? Um, you know, g getting back to kind of, right, like the, there's so much discourse and so much argument, like, God doesn't need us to kind of defend his reputation, okay? God doesn't need us to, to be the, the one wielding the sword and, and showing everyone how wrong they are. That's not what Jesus did, right? <laughs> we, we just read this little passage. Read all the Gospels. Jesus stood for truth. I'm not saying otherwise, okay? And there are times, and we, we, we see it in Paul and in Acts, right, like where he's, he's grappling with people, and he, he's giving a, uh, a defense of, of the faith, and we're called to know what we believe and why. I'm not saying otherwise. We're not called to be <laughs> argumentative for argumentative sake. We're not called to just win arguments, to try to... to have intellectual kind of arm wrestling in, in defeating someone else with the, the cold precision of our unassailable arguments, <laughs> okay? And I'm also talking to myself right now. Um, that's not the, the ultimate call, right? And, and so we need to be spaces as a community and as church where people can express what they really think and their opinions without being judged and without being jumped on, okay? And that is increasingly rare nowadays. It just is, okay? We, we live in a time where, where you're defined and your worth as a human is based on, on your beliefs that you profess, okay? And, and the gospel tells us otherwise, <laughs> okay? We've received that grace and we can extend it to others, okay? So we need to, and I, I get that, that this is even a, a, a almost a funny sounding thing to say in the ears of, of a lot of people. Christians should be the most tolerant people in the world, okay? Not tolerant uh, of sin, but tolerant of, of people's humanity and their ability to, to be themselves. And if we take serious the, the call to, to listen, if I'm gonna argue with you and shut you down, I'm not gonna know what you actually think. <laughs> if I don't know what you actually think, 
I can't speak to your reality. I can't speak to, to what your heart's craving or, or how the gospel's good news to you because I'm shutting it down, right? I actually, yeah. <laughs> you have the best laid plans and then you get going. Uh, I, I meant to highlight a book uh, <laughs> during my intro. It was very I was saying, um, okay. <laughs> um, there was a book that, that I found and I was reading and, and preparing for this sermon that, that was very influential for me. Um, and I, I had Avery, yeah. It's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key um, by a woman named Rosaria Butterfield. And um, I, to those of you who, who like books, I, I cannot recommend this one enough. Um, it, it is, it, it's fantastic. It, it's, it's deep, but it's, it's, it's very, a lot of stories. Um, but it's, it's very gospel saturated and it's an amazing story. Um, and, and Ms. Butterfield, uh, she was a, a college professor at Syracuse, um, in the late nineties and was actually writing, oops, was actually writing a, a book. Sorry, I'm starting to take this personally now. I'm just going to go if that's okay. Yeah, and now it's like, <coughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, is this, does this work? Okay. Um, Ms. Butterfield, like I said, she was a professor uh, at Syracuse University in, in, uh, during the 90s, particularly the late 90s, and was actually doing research to, um, to write a book on basically how Christians are ruining America. <laughs> And so she wrote an, an op-ed in, in the local paper, kind of loosely arguing that. And uh, a, a pastor, a local pastor, wrote her, um, just kind of disagreeing with her. Uh, he did it politely. He did it lovingly. And she said that she, she always read her hate mail. <laughs> she said maybe it was masochistic or, or you know, whatever. But she, she would read it, and it stood out to her that, that this guy, of all the hate letters she had ever received, this one was the, the nicest. Um, but more than that, she saw him as a resource. Um, she saw him as someone who, if she's going to write this book, she had to get inside the mind of the enemy. And so in the letter, he offered to, to have her over for dinner, and so she accepted. And she accepted with the intent of kind of exploiting or, or destroying <laughs> this guy in, in his life. Um, and over the, uh, a two-year period, uh, like she was just blown away by the hospitality, by the, the come-as-you-are, by... Um, just the, the, the openness, the tolerance, I, I guess that's where I was going. Like, like very different worldview, very antagonistic worldview. But they came and, and they, they loved her for who they are. They, they saw through the views. They, they saw through kind of the, all the ways they did not have common ground. And, and the, this pastor and his wife who opened their home saw her humanity um, and, and, and focused on that. Um, so a lot of times as Christians, we can be hung up on um, – you know, what am I approving of or, or what am I accepting and, you know, like, am I giving the wrong message or am I kind of, you know, selling out by, you know, like, where do I need to take a stand? You know, when do I kind of need to engage in the argument? And um, she said in her book, uh, the pastor at the front end made a distinction between um, um, accepting and, shoot, I just lost it. <laughs> thank you. I was, thank you, Kai. Uh, approving and accepting. Um, and, and he said that there's a lot of things about you in your life I do not approve of. It was just like the same thing with my children. There's a lot of things my children do that I do not approve of, but I love them and I accept them. They're, they're my children. And he's just like, there's things about you and, and your political stances and your conclusions and what you think about Christians that I don't approve of and your lifestyle, but I accept you because you are an image bearer of God um, because you have dignity and worth as a human being, and I don't have to, 
you don't have to line up with me before I can engage in hospitality with you, engage in, in, in love and relationship with you. Um, and she said, blew her mind, blew her mind. And she saw like in her spaces, even her people in the communities they had, they did not have that value. They didn't. You were you in if you agreed with them, and if not, you were the enemy. You were outside. And if we're honest, sometimes churches can be that way. That's not the gospel. We shouldn't be easily offended, right? And that's hard. Our flesh, <laughs> sometimes offensive things are offensive. If Jesus was easily offended, we wouldn't be here, right? Uh, we worship Jesus. We do not, God does not need us to defend his character, right? Jesus had the reputation of a glutton and a drunkard. He didn't go like, all right, guys, you misunderstood me. I'm out. He kept going, right? He kept going. We can be misunderstood. We can be mislabeled. We can fail. I, um, speaking of that book, and Avery, you can put that quote up. Um, I really like this quote. Um, um, what was her name? I already lost it. Uh, Butterfield, Miss Butterfield. Um, in her book, she writes, uh, practicing radically ordinary hospitality is your street credibility with your post-Christian neighbors. It allows you to listen, right, listen, to keep secrets, to be trusted, right, um, to be a safe friend, because you don't need anything from them, okay? You are ex a conduit of Jesus' love. You don't need their affection or their respect or all the things you try to get from people. You don't need that. And to speak a word of grace into dark places. In post-Christian communities, your words can be only as strong as your relationships. Your best weapon is an open door, a set table, a fresh pot of coffee, and a box of Kleenex for the tears that spill. That's awesome, right? I want to be that, and I'm not. <laughs> um, just being honest, it's it's a, a beautiful picture, um, but I do think I think it's right. Uh, I, I think it's right, and this probably excites some of you in the room. And probably induces panic and dread <laughs> in, in others uh, in the room. And it, it kind of reminds me of, of, of last week's sermon, um, Nick talking about talking to people on the airplane. And, and I think there's people who are like, yeah, why wouldn't you do that? And there's people like me who are just like, that's just, <laughs> okay, God, but man, that sounds like the, the worst thing ever. Um, and it actually re it reminded me of uh, a couple of years ago on our elder retreat, um, we were flying and I'm like, I knew I was with Nick and, and Aaron and Gonzo, and I'm just like, I'm going to have to talk to whoever I'm sitting next to, because we weren't together. So I'm like, all right, we're going to do this. And, and it was like a two-person row, so even that, you kind of, you know. And so I go, and, and, and uh, the guy sits down next to me, and I'm just terrified and, and not wanting to do this. And I, I engage him, and he starts talking to me, and the plane takes off. And pretty soon, he starts describing to me all the ways the plane can crash. Um, <laughs> and he's telling me all, all the, the wiring things, and then if this happens, then the oxygen will come, but then, like, in, in all the different ways. Uh, and I'm just like, like, thanks, Nick. Like, like this is never going to happen. Like, this is bad. Um, and it turns out he, he was a, a, a mechanic. He fixed airplanes. And uh, he, he started getting his phone out and showing me pictures of planes he had fixed and talking fancy words about engines. And, and I'm like, I'm like car, truck, van, like that's as deep as I get. Um, but in all of that, like by the end of the flight, he himself got to a place where he's just like, I don't know how anyone can fly in an airplane and not believe in God. <laughs> he's just like, it's a miracle every time. And he had this like extended meditation uh, on just humanity and flight and, and being in the sky and just marveling at God's creation. It just it spoke to me, and, and I kind of went into that thinking, hey, I need to engage someone else so I can be there, you know. God blessed me through that. Um, and the reason I, I tell that story, um, and you might wonder why I had the second passage up there. It had nothing to do with hospitality, really. Um, but we're one body. Um, we are, God gifts us differently. And when we're on mission, there's an individual component to that. There's also a, a communal part of it. We're not going to be good at everything, okay? It helps us. God made it that way, and God made it that way to remind us that we're not Jesus, <laughs> and, 
he made it to remind us that we need each other, okay? And so we, we can listen to, to these things. And, and there's a, an error on one side where we make our gifting our identity, where we make our personality our identity. So it's like, I'm an introvert. I do not need to talk to other people because it terrifies me. And so I will let the dicks and then the people who, who love that kind of thing, that's your side, and I'm going to do No. Okay, and it's like Nick said last week. Uh, when you're converted to Christ, you are automatically converted to, to community and discipleship, and you're automatically converted to mission. You don't opt in or out. You're either a good missionary or a bad missionary. <laughs> but it is a non-negotiable part. And so I'm called to listen, and I'm called to obey. Sometimes that means talking to the guy who's explaining how the airplane's going to crash. Okay, sometimes that means talking and being terrified and not having it go well. But God's cultivating things in me through obedience. Okay, I do not get to just opt out because it makes me uncomfortable. At the same time, we are a team. We are knit together. Right? The, that, that First Corinthians passage, same God, different gifts, all for the same purpose of building his church and being his church in, in, in the world. And so we should expect to be good at things and not good at other things. We should expect to, to um, have others who, who can open doors that we can. And it reminded me, uh, our group had a, like a, a Halloween thing uh, back on Halloween and you know we, we got our we live in a cul-de-sac and we, we got you know I, I, we had all those burgers I, I made a brisket I, I made all kinds of cool food we had candy we had chairs it was it was a vibe it was cool um, and so people would come and uh, maybe a lot of you know I, I'm next door neighbors with with Aaron and Haley Negron and so we kind of teamed up we had it all going together and people are coming and Haley is just like buzzing like buzzing, 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 just, you know, could not be happier, just, I remember you from three years ago, I think I, I just like, uh, knows everybody, knows the story, is like, going, you know, and I'm just kind of sitting there, I'm like, you know, God bless you, Haley, you know, um, and at one point, this, this guy and this kid roll up, and, and like, Haley's engaged with someone else, so I'm just like, hey, I, I can talk to people too, so I'm like, welcome, like, we're super glad you're here, we have burgers, we have brisket, we have drinks, we have candy, you know, just come, come, you know. And he just looks at me and just like, no. <laughs> so I'm just like, I tried. I was, that was the, the most warm, gregarious part that I could muster. It, it came from a true place. And he just was like, and I'm just like, well, at least there's candy. And he just kind of, you know. So I'm just like, you know, my feelings aren't hurt. It's okay. I, I tried. And I go, I was talking to whoever. And then five minutes later, I look back, and he is, like, eating a hamburger, got a drink, and Haley's just, like, <coughs> you know. And it's just, like, God made Haley the way she is. God made me the way I did. I, I tried. She's good at it, <laughs> okay? And to the glory of God, right? Like, I'm not going to be good at everything. You know, there's things like Haley, Haley right? All of us are, are, are good um, at some things and bad at others. And we need to embrace that, okay? We need to not hide at the things we're not good at <laughs> but we need to accept the fact that this is a team we do mission as a team and and the the quieter ones or the like you actually strengthen and, and help each other we, we need to rather than then kind of have the, the the sort of the extra the, the, the successful ones up to the mic sound of like gotta be like me gotta do it the way i do it no right there's a lot of ways same god different giftings different expressions and it's really cool. Uh, I got to say, uh, uh, one of the things I love about this church, there's a lot of people who, who live this way. A lot of people who take seriously this call, who, who have open homes, who love strangers, who, who have the heart of Jesus in, in bringing it out into the world. Um, and this isn't meant to, to single anyone out, but I did, um, and, and they don't know that I'm about to do this, but Justin and Leslie, you are the example to me. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Just, Justin plays the bass. Leslie gets up and, and does truth bombs from the catechism every now and then and, and is awesome. But they are, are, are their home is beautiful. Um, Justin and Leslie are, are the parents of three, but they are the, they are the mom and dad to, to, to many. And they have a home and an orientation. They live their lives in the front. They live their lives in the garage. Yeah, they live their lives with an outward orientation. They keep extra food in their house for when people come in and they feed hungry kids. They 
have people live with them constantly. They just have a heart to use what God has given them to do that. So in a lot of ways, you can listen to what I just said. Um, talk to them <laughs> if you want to know how to do it. Um, and I, I'm not saying you're alone, but what you guys do and how you do it and the heart behind it and, and the, the way God made you together and the way I see it all throughout your house, it's beautiful, and it, it, I see Jesus in that. Um, and so I, I just wanted to relay this way, because as I kept thinking about the sermon and, and how to end it, and I was thinking about them, I talked about, like, like we had our little cul-de-sac Halloween party. They had their Halloween party, and they live about two streets over from me. Um, and so I went to drop in on, on their party. It was a scene. Like, it, it, it was amazing. There were, I mean, you would almost wonder, like, like, what is going on here? It was just this hub of activity. And, 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 I, and I go, and, and I see Justin's there and, and flipping the, the frozen point burgers <laughs> from our, our fundraiser. Uh, you know, and he <laughs> he's there, you know, and he's doing it. Leslie's out there talking to people up front. They have a table set up. Uh, their daughter, Alicia's there. Um, I, I see Avery... Right, who, who lives there, he's in the back there. He's there, he's got that, that, that Starbucks training. And, and he, he's not the, 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 the most, you know, kind of, he's more on the quieter side. But he is just like, okay, we gotta get burgers, right? And, and Casey, Casey's there and she's there and they're teaming up. They're boom, 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 burgers, constructing it, foil, getting them out. And, and people are flocking. Um, and, then, and then we had Josh, okay? Um, <laughs> and there's Josh. <laughs> Many different gifts but the same God, okay? And Josh willingly lowered his dignity to put that on, but it set a vibe, okay? And it showed that we, we were about people, we were about fun, we are about meeting people where they are, and all of these different people who are part of this household, who, who have this outward orientation, you see this mini picture of the church at work, right? And there were those who, who loved talking with people um, th there are those who are serving. There are those who are being that. Um, <laughs> all coming together, and we saw, like, it's greater. The, 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 the sum was greater, or whatever. The whole was greater than the sum of the parts. Right? There was something just divine about that, that we're coming together. And I would just be there, and, and I just marveled, right? Because it wasn't just that the party was great. It wasn't that the costumes were, were awesome when they were. Um, and it wasn't that the burgers <laughs> were, you know, right? We, we all had those burgers, right? They're great. And then there's no such thing as a bad burger, right? Like the worst burger is better than the best veggie burger. But it wasn't that. Oh, I did. Shots fired. Yeah. I went there. Um, it was that Justin and Leslie and, and that household lived with an outward orientation 365 days a year, 365 days a year. So when their, their neighbors already knew them, their neighbors already trusted them, their neighbors already loved them, their neighbors already felt kind of like this was a safe place to come, and, and, and they came. And you could see it spread, right? Like people brought like gifts, and they brought more drinks, and they brought more stuff. And then Justin was telling me later that like this neighbor who was kind of catty corner was just like, this was amazing, New Year's. We're doing it at my place, and we're going to set up a ton of fireworks, and it's going to be awesome. And it's just like, yeah, like you're getting a reciprocal invitation. That's awesome. That's what it's about. And, and I remember just being there and, and seeing, like, I don't even know. They're, they're the neighbor. They're not my neighbor. I don't know who they are. But I'm observing and listening and watching. And, and there was this, this young woman there who <laughs> was, I think, wanting to be a stand-up comedian and telling the worst jokes. Um, I don't even know what that was. That <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she felt safe. I mean, awful in that they weren't funny and then awful in that they were like she was trying to be edgy. Um, and but felt safe. And, and that, 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 that's what I keyed in on. Not, not that her jokes weren't that funny <laughs> or that she didn't have, a, didn't have the heart to tell her. She didn't have a future in stand-up comedy. But she felt safe. She was herself. She knew that she wasn't going to get pushed out. She knew she wasn't going to get judged. She knew she wasn't going to get rejected. She was just herself. And everyone that I looked around there, they were themselves. That's the picture. That's what it is. As Christians, because of our, our hope and the truth of the gospel, we have the most to celebrate. 
everybody knows to celebrate. We should be known for our parties. We should be known because of our spirit of celebration. We have the most to celebrate. But because of the gospel, we also are, are, should be the most willing to slow down. Right? We're, we're called to, to, to rejoice with those who rejoice, but to, to mourn uh, with, with those who, who mourn because of the gospel. Jesus does that with us because of the humanity, because of the shared identity that we bring. So I'll leave it at that. Father God, I, I thank you so much um, for the gospel, for, for the inbreaking uh, of this good news. I, I thank you that the gospel reshapes how we see ourselves, reshapes how we see you, reshapes how we see the people around us, God. Um, I, I just pray, uh, there's so many out there. We're all sick. Um, I, thank, I'm, I'm, I, I thank you that, that, that you have revealed to us um, who the great physician is and, and, and how to be healed. I thank you for, for bringing us close, God. Um, but I pray that we have this heart um, to reach those who are ailing um, and to do it with dignity, to do it with respect, to do it with honor, um, to do it with uh, a willingness to, to go where they go, to, to listen, uh, to not impose, um, but to, to do it with gentleness and understanding, God, the way that you have with us. Um, none of us got it the first time around. None of us have perfect obedience. We still struggle with disbelief, God. We have so much in common um, with all uh, who, who need the physician, uh, who need the great doctor. But we thank you for that healing. We pray um, for, for openings. We pray that we would listen. We pray that we would um, respond in obedience. And we pray that we not overcomplicate it, God, that we just uh, have love, that we band together, that we use our gifts in complementary ways, that we understand it's a community, God, um, but it's your community, and it's for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Fatherless, we pray be a father for those who've lost their way.